Famous scenes with drama queens and heroes Acted out there on the silver screen Come grab a seat, popcorn is on me Hello, welcome to Meet Me at the Movies. Uh, I, I am Noel T. Manning II, hanging out with Thomas Manning. And, and Thomas, <laughs> buddy, uh, when we did the uh, volume one of celebrating the, the films of 1992, uh, you were occasionally doing something behind my back. And I guess I can say right in front of me. Yeah, brushing your hair, man. And, and I, I wasn't paying attention to it. And evidently, I got some non-viewer mail going, Noel, we couldn't even pay attention to what you were saying because Thomas was so distracting when he was like combing through his beautiful locks. That's what they called them, beautiful locks. So so what do you have to say about that, man? I'm not going to apologize for my luscious locks, okay? That's, I mean, if somebody's distracted by that, then that's their problem. It's not mine. So, I mean, they choose to watch the show. So, like... I think right. thing, I th- if anything, I think they should be thanking me for blessing them with this visual that we have right here. <laughs> well, it is a visual without a doubt. It truly is uh, a visual. <laughs> but uh, we do appreciate everybody spending time with us right here on Meet Me the Movies as we talk uh, cinema. And uh, as we've said before, cinema can, can mean so many different things now uh, because it does uh, move into uh, at-home uh, viewing as well, television, uh, documentaries, uh, and, uh, and of course, theatrical releases uh, as well. And today we're going to do some uh, some films that are new, but we're also going to do some series that are new. And then we're going to do a, a, a review from the vault uh, going back 20 years, a Christopher Nolan uh, film that Thomas has been wanting to check out for a long time. Got a chance to do that finally. Uh, but we'll kick things off um, with a, a film that's been getting a really a, – a, I guess, Thomas, the best way to describe this is it's a film that's getting conflicting critical acclaim and critical criticism. This is probably one of the best ways to describe uh, the movie Blonde, uh, which is a kind of a fictionalized uh, account of the inner life looking at Marilyn Monroe. And and I will start just by saying uh, Anna de Armas is phenomenal in this. She did so much research behind the scenes to uh, to kind of capture not just the look but also the mannerisms and the feel and uh, I got a chance to sit in uh, on a um, uh, a junket um, Q&A with her through the Critics Choice Association and she was just talking about uh, you know how much time she spent preparing uh, for this and uh, she did so uh, by by looking at she said at every documentary that was ever uh, uh, out there about Marilyn, um, every film that she had done, and also every interview that she could come across, whether it was a, a audio interview or a video interview. So she's been doing her research going back to even when she was in Knives Out. So this has been something that's kind of been on uh, on her plate uh, for quite a while now. I've got to give kudos, of course, to her, um, and also the production design and the costume design uh, from Jennifer Johnson. Uh, Jennifer Johnson went back and recreated a lot of these iconic um, costumes that if you've ever seen anything in Maryland, you would recognize them. And she brought those back to life and uh, absolutely stunning to look at uh, from that standpoint. But I have to say it's a very dark film. It's a film that 
that looks at abuse uh, and it looks at it in a very challenging way. It's not a film that's for everybody. It does have uh, the NC-17 rating. Uh, and it is one of those that uh, I'm, I'm glad I watched it once just to see uh, Anna de Armas' uh, envisioning of this and bringing this character to life. But I tell you what, it's a very torturous film to watch and, and one that um, that was uh, that was difficult. I, 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 I just got to say it was difficult. It was um, uh, it was intriguing. Uh, in parts, uh, but but in other parts, it just was completely disturbing, uh, and that's I think that's one of the things that's kind of torn critics uh, and those who are watching this apart is the the amazing aspect of what uh, Anna brought, uh, the production design, costume design, but then the story itself, just about about this uh, torturous person who just went through so many things, and of course this is a fictionalized account. Uh, but based on a, a true story. Give me some thoughts, Thomas, of some of the things that you've heard uh, that you felt, because you've, you've actually chosen not to watch this film. Yeah, yeah, and I think you kind of hit on the, the main reason why I haven't gotten around to it yet. I mean, I, I still think it's very possible that I will watch it sometime over the course of the next few months, but it's just knowing the just immense amount of mental and emotional energy that it's going to take out of me. Uh, that's one of the reasons I've been cautious and haven't watched it as of this point. And um, like you said, it is a, these things are very real things that Marilyn wrote, went through. And uh, she lived a life that was filled with tremendous physical, emotional, and mental challenges. Um, and it looks like this film explores that very uh, subjectively um, and very much from her own perspective. Um, but at the same time, it's just knowing, uh, from what I've heard, just how, you know, real and authentic they made parts of it just almost, um, has driven me away from, you know, placing, pressing play on Netflix on it because it is right there available on Netflix. But, um, knowing that it's a nearly three hour film going through this, um, tremendous anguish that this, this real life person went through, uh, that's just kind of one of the main things that's prevented me from you know taking that time for it it's a difficult film to watch just because of the subject matter but then you add you know three hours long um it, it's a, it's a it is a difficult uh, film also to watch in one sitting uh, and you and i have talked about movies that are long three hours three plus hours and sometimes you don't realize it this one you you realize it um so i, I think it um uh it, it, it does have its issues. The pacing issues were there um, for a film this long, uh, and just the the, uh, the the nature of this film is a, a really challenging one to watch, and it's also a challenging one uh, to rate as well. Uh, I thought the cinematography was was phenomenal. Um, you know, using black and white at times. Some of the editing choices were really really amazing. Uh, but I, I tell you, a difficult film to watch. Uh, one that I will not. Um, plan to revisit but uh come award season uh you you may be hearing uh the name anna de Armas, um for for some awards love uh the film blonde uh, i am giving this a, a c plus um rating um the technical aspects and the acting aspects uh you know really a, an a rating but 
uh, some of the other things just really, really took me away from it. Uh, so Blonde, you can find that now on uh, Netflix. Uh, Thomas, uh, there is a, a series that you and I have been looking forward to for, for quite a while, really. Uh, and it's based on the Star Wars universe. And it's uh, really a different kind of, of Star Wars series uh, that we really haven't seen something quite like this uh, before. And it's a character that we've only met once before. Yeah, that's right. So uh, we met the character of Cassian Andor in Rogue One and uh, Cassian Andor played by Diego Luna. And I'm someone who liked Rogue One quite a bit, but I definitely found it to be emotionally cold and distant, especially when, you know, spoiler alert, everybody dies at the end. Um, but but <laughs> yeah, I think... You're not, it's not the return of the Jedi ending. It's, it's definitely not. <laughs> But, you know, however, you know, even just the first four episodes of the series, they're doing a lot of work toward retroactively making that Rogue One finale much more emotionally compelling. And um, interestingly enough, we're, we've teased that we're going to be talking about a Christopher Nolan film later in the show. But parts of this, through the first four episodes at least, almost feel like mid-2000s Christopher Nolan making Star Wars. You have the nonlinear storytelling with very timely montages and cross-cutting um and it's kind of aimed for peak emotional impact then there is a sense of restraint in the action and spectacle um like they the showrunners you know they feel like there is they could explode at any moment with action on screen but they're choosing to keep a lid on it uh just kind of keep us wanting more and keep us uh you know guessing and for what's coming next um and then of course it's got sad and lonely people who miss their family. And, uh, you know, that's a Nolan trait if I've ever heard one. So it, it's yes. pretty much got it. It's got it all. Um, you know, the showrunner here is uh, Tony Gil Gilroy. He actually wrote the screenplay for all the Bourne films, and uh, he directed the Bourne Legacy with Jeremy Renner. And uh, Tony's brother, Dan Gilroy, is a writer on the series, and they've collaborated on projects basically throughout their entire careers. Uh, so definitely, um, you know, a family affair with this series and I'm very, very pleased what we've seen thus far with uh, Andor and Disney Plus. Yeah, and, and with, with the Gilroy's being connected to this and you mentioned the, the films that, that they have worked on, the Bourne films, that had this um, political backdrop, this um, this spy espionage uh, backdrop as well, and that is definitely something you're getting uh, in the Star Wars uh, uh, saga through Andor is uh, it's it's not all action. Uh, and, and, and if you look at the scope of Star Wars itself, there was so much political background to it uh, as well. And this one's solid on that. I mean, the first episode uh, is is drama. Um, sure, there are a couple of action sequences, but it's a it is a drama uh, against the backdrop of uh, political upheaval uh, that's happening throughout the galaxy. And uh, it, it's uh, amazing to watch, uh, you know, beautifully shot. Uh, production design, uh, absolutely phenomenal. And the casting, uh, you'd already mentioned uh, some of the casting, but uh, Stellan Skarsgård in this, uh, Genevieve O'Reilly uh, uh, reprises a role of Mon Mothma uh, as well. And uh, I'm, I'm really impressed with what I'm seeing. Uh, you know, it's amazing to me as we think about the Star Wars universe that we're talking about 
new versions of these stories coming to life on screen, both on the, the, the big screen and then uh, at our homes uh, through streaming. And you find this on Disney Plus, as you can, all of the Star Wars films. But Andor, um, well worth your time. Uh, I'm loving it so far. Uh, it's it's kind of, for me, it's appointment television. Uh, and the, the episodes are, you know, anywhere from, what, 40 to, to 50 minutes um, they kind of range in length, and which I think is uh, fascinating that you can do that. And I love it because it's like, okay, we're going to tell the story in, in, in this particular chapter. We're going to use 40 pages of script and tell it in 40 minutes, you know? And I love that. I really love that. Yeah, there's actually going to be 12 episodes in this season, and they've already greenlit a second season as well. I think they might even be in production on the second season. And there's a really interesting structure for season two that they've already talked about, how every three episodes uh, is going to take place over the course of a year. So the first three episodes is one year, the next three episodes is following year, and so on and so forth. And I think basically it's going to lead right up to the events of Rogue One. Um, so I, I think that's just very fascinating they have all that plotted out and it's not something that we've seen before is as far as um you know star wars shows on uh disney plus star wars streaming shows uh you know also i gotta Absolutely. give gotta give major props to diego luna uh just because he brings such gravitas to this role uh just his screen presence is very kind of enchanting in a way and uh this was a character that you know when i first heard about the show i wasn't entirely sure that I, you know, how compelled I was by the prospect of a Cassian Andor show. Um, you know, I thought I liked him in Rogue One, but I thought right. it kind of served his purpose there. And if I wasn't signing up right away to get a Cassian Andor series in Disney Plus, but, you know, he's definitely proven, um, you know, justified the existence of the show just uh, with his performance alone. Yeah, and the backstory. I mean, you get his backstory as a kid as well. And, um, that's a really interesting dynamic that plays out that kind of sets a stage uh, as well. And I, I love what they've done with that. And uh, you're right, it, it does have uh, some Christopher Nolan-esque feel to it. But I, and, and I tell you, there, there are times as I'm watching, uh, you know, uh, watching Diego Luna and I'm reminded of uh, a young Antonio Banderas um, at times. And uh, I tell you, I'm, I'm really interested to see what will be happening with this particular actor uh, in the future as well. What's your rating so far for uh, Andor? Uh, I'll give Andor a solid A- at this point. Okay. Uh, and I'm actually a, a, a solid A. I really love where they're, where they're headed with this, and uh, I love what is unfolding uh, again, and I love that the Star Wars universe continues to be alive and to be alive and well. Uh, we're gonna take a quick uh, intermission right here at Meet Me at the Movies uh, on C19 TV. You can uh, email us at info at C19.tv and you can listen to the radio and podcast version through WGWG.org. Uh, hang around uh, after this quick intermission. We'll be back with more on Meet Me at the Movies with uh, Thomas Manning and myself, Noel Thomas Mann II.
I'm Nikki Bliss Carroll, your host for Cleveland Connections, the show that explores what's happening at Cleveland Community College. Join us as we sit down with members of faculty and staff to discuss programs of study, upcoming events, and other exciting campus news. We'll have a new show for you each month on C19 TV, or you can stream us online at c19.tv. Tune in and connect with Cleveland Community College on Cleveland Connections. Cleveland Community College has identified strengthening online learning as the topic for its quality enhancement plan. We're calling it SOUL. SOUL's five-year implementation plan is focused on continuous improvement of online courses and promoting student success. We're excited for you to take this journey with us. I would tell anybody that's interested in getting broadcasting that um, this is a really exciting field to be in. The possibilities are endless. And every day is different. Um, there's always something new. Um, you're always on your toes. It's, I think the good thing about you know a school like Cleveland Community College is they're really good at keeping up with the latest technologies. My experience um, with the broadcasting program has been everything and more. I've hosted a television show here. I've done radio shows. I've, I've made my own commercials, all kinds of exciting things, digital animation. And I've never thought I'd have a career in news that I enjoy. It's just really exciting to you know have a career where you're in control of what two million people in the area are watching every night. It's really exciting and enriching and fulfilling work. It doesn't feel like a job. I mean, I get to hang around all day and make television. I mean, just listen to that. Now the question is, are you ready to start your journey today? Hi, I'm Shara Miller, the host of Artworks. Each month we bring to you wonderful, talented artists from here in, in Cleveland County and, and the region. We have artists, we have potters, we have painters, we have musicians, we have actors. We just have wonderful artists that come to you and tell you about all that they're doing, their creativity, what inspires them. Join me here on Artworks each month on C19. You can also watch us online at c19.tv. Won't you come and meet me at the movies? Won't you come and watch Hello, welcome back to Meet Me at the Movies. I'm Nolte Man in a second with Thomas Manning uh, with the uh, well-brushed hair. Uh, Thomas Manning, the well-coiffed hair. I, I should say. Uh, and I tell you, who's, who's got some well-coiffed hair uh, is uh, is a guy named. Uh, what's what's this guy's name? Uh, Al Pacino uh, in a film uh, called Insomnia. Uh, also with uh, Robin Williams and uh, Hilary Swank. Uh, got some Oscar love in this uh, film that's 20 years old, Thomas. Uh, Christopher Nolan uh, brought this to life. And I, I just you really get a sense of what uh, Nolan was headed for uh, when you get a chance to look at this film now, especially all these years later. So uh, let's get your thoughts uh, with this review from the vault, uh, Insomnia. Yeah, so this was Christopher Nolan's third film. He had following in 1998, which technically wasn't even a feature length film. It was just 70 minutes. And he made that for like $6,000. Um, so that's a movie we need to talk about in the show someday now that we're talking about Insomnia. But, uh, you know, Nolan also had Memento in 2000. Um, and that was the one that got Nolan and his brother Jonathan the first Oscar nominations for Best Original Screenplay. Then in 2002, you have Insomnia. But interestingly enough, I feel like this movie 
might be Nolan's least discussed project from his filmography, uh, which is a shame because it's phenomenal. Um, it's actually a remake of a 1997 Norwegian film, which, interestingly enough, starred Stellan Skarsgård, who we've briefly discussed on the show a little bit. Uh, it's, it's all connected. It always is. Um, and you have three Oscar winners in the cast, Al Pacino in the lead as the most exhausted detective that you've ever seen in your life. He's coming to Alaska from L.A. for a murder case, uh, and he's also running from some internal affairs investigations back on the home front. And he's a true pro, but the years have definitely taken a toll on him. And then Hilary Swank, she's basically the rookie detective. She's from this remote part of Alaska, and she's looked up to Pacino for a long time. And she, she wrote a dissertation on one of his cases when she was like in the Academy. Uh, and then you have Robin Williams and I'm not spoiling anything when I reveal that he's, he's the murderer. You can catch that in the trailer alone. Um, this isn't a whodunit, it's a why done it. Um, but what I really wasn't expecting to find in the film, um, there's a collision point between the demons of Al Pacino's past. And then, you know, the volatility of the present situation, it kind of, there's just a lot of friction that's been building up, a lot of chaotic energy, and then it kind of just all explodes and pops. And um, you combine all that with the midnight sun of Alaska, and you have one really tired guy who can't catch a break or a week of sleep, and that's, you know, Detective Dormer, Al Pacino's character. So this is a film that you've been wanting to look at for, for a long time, and uh, you know, we talked about just this amazing cast, and uh, an amazing director. And, you know, this is a, a film that as of really only to a couple of years ago, uh, when you look at the, who wrote this, uh, Christopher Nolan, I guess the only film that directed by him that didn't have him with the official writing credit, uh, with, you know, almost 18 years without that. Uh, he, he did write the final draft uh, of the screenplay. But when you look at those credits, uh, you didn't see his name attached to it. But it's without a doubt a film this got his fingerprints all over it. What are some of the things from a fingerprint standpoint from, from Nolan that you saw uh, that you, you realized, oh, wow, okay, I see where he's headed with this based on other films uh, that, that come after this? Well, even from the opening shot of the movie, you have this uh, the small plane just gliding over the Alaskan tundra, basically, and uh, just the way the plane was shot and the way you know the aerial cinematography was it very much reminded me of the opening of the dark knight rises um when you have the plane with bane on it and uh that that entire you know 10 to 15 minute sequence with um that huge action set piece where the plane is um there's almost like a plane heist going on in the beginning of dark knight rises but anyway just from a cinematography standpoint you could match up certain shots from the opening of insomnia compared to the opening of the dark knight rises um, and then you, de you definitely have Nolan playing a little bit with time in this film. I will say, though, it's probably um, his most straightforward story. Um, with most of Nolan's films, you can't even afford to look down at your phone or you know check your email or what have you without missing something absolutely critical to the plot. But with this one, you know, as much as I do not endorse scrolling on your phone during a movie, you could probably get away with it here. Um, but okay. I would say... If you could get away with it and still get all the details that you need for the you know main arc of the story. However, there are smaller details that you might miss if you're not 
completely dialed in. So um, that, that I think a lot of that goes back to the editing as well. This is edited by Dodie Dorn. Uh, she's worked with Nolan uh, before. She worked on Memento, which is one of the best edited films of the past 20 years for my money. Um, Dodie Dorn has also collaborated with James Cameron, Ridley Scott, Boz Lerman, uh, Zack Snyder. And um, the way this, there's a few shots um, in this film that are cut into the, basically cut into the reel that you don't realize their significance until the last half hour of the movie. Uh, there's just these quick fleeting images of something. You're like, what is this? What is the importance of this small visual detail? And then it all is threaded back, um, you know, to the forefront of the entire narrative, you know, but thematically and uh, thematically and emotionally by the end of the film. Um, and I think that's something that no one's always very good at doing is that he basically doesn't waste a second of screen time. Um, any single shot in the film, he makes sure it's, serving something to the greater purpose of the film. And uh, that's um, that's definitely on display here in Insomnia. Yeah, during award season, it did get some love. The uh, Academy of Science Fiction, Fantasy, and Horror uh, nominated both Robin Williams and uh, and uh, also for writing, uh, got best writing. Uh, also, Nolan got a nominee for the Danish Film Awards, Edgar Allan Poe Awards um, for writing, uh, and uh, Hilary Swank got the Empire Award uh, nomination for Best Actress uh, as well. And then if you look at the Italian Movie Awards, uh, Best Actor and Best Supporting Actor, Al Pacino and Robin Williams uh, both got nominations uh, there as well. So it's a, a solid film with, uh, with incredible acting uh, and directing and the production value as well. Thomas, what's your rating for Insomnia uh, from, 20, uh, from 2002? Uh, going to give a solid A to Insomnia. All right. Uh, a for Insomnia, which you can find uh, wherever you choose to look for films. Uh, now it's uh, available. Yeah, 20 years. You can you can find it. Just take a look. Just take a look. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll there, let there you is do a that. New yeah. Film. yeah. <laughs> uh, there is a new film uh, also uh, in, on Netflix, and this is an uh, action suspense thriller uh, with uh, Allison Janney. Uh, as the lead, and uh, you know, you don't typically think about her as an action star, but man, she puts it on full display uh, in the film called Lou. She is a, uh, a CIA agent who uh, kind of went rogue. She uh, became a fugitive, and she's disappeared off the grid, and no one's seen her for for decades. Uh, and uh, and now uh, she's kind of uh, back in action because of a neighbor's kid that gets kidnapped. And uh, if that's not enough, you've got this major uh, storm happening on this uh, this island where they live. And so it's a, a battle of character versus nature, character versus uh, character, character versus self, because there's a lot of this uh, character by the name of Lou, played by Janney, looking at uh, choices that she made. Uh, and the impact they had, not just on her, but on those uh, around her. Uh, it's really a, a solid film. It's uh, it's an hour and 47 minutes, so it's uh, you know, less than two hours. Uh, it's got some interesting twists and turns, uh, some beautiful shots. You know, you've got this, uh, you know, anytime you're shooting when there's water, uh, you've got to be spot on for that. And uh, the cinematographer does it, uh, does it quite well. 
But it is one of those that I'm glad I watched, and I would probably go back and rewatch it again, especially with with uh, folks who like mystery, who like uh, action, and who like suspense. All those things are kind of rolled into this, and uh, it was a pleasant surprise. So for for Lou, I'm giving it a, a B minus. Uh, I'm glad I took the time to engage uh, in this film that you can find uh, on Netflix. All right, we're about ready to wrap up, uh, but before we do so, uh, Thomas has a movie quote of the week from, uh, I think, Insomnia. That's right. So this comes from Mara Tierney's character, Rachel Clement, in Insomnia, and she says, There are two kinds of people who live in Alaska, the ones who are born here and the ones who come here to escape something else. I wasn't born here. (laughs) All right. And, you know, you could also say that about the Manning households. Uh, So uh, we will leave you with that movie quote and that thought for the week right here on Meet Me at the Movies. Uh, For Thomas Manning, I'm Noel Thomas Manning II. And that is a wrap for Meet Me at the Movies.